Passionate DJ Podcast, where we are becoming better DJs through passion and purpose. And now your host, David Michael. What's up, everybody? This is the Passionate DJ Podcast, and today we're talking about spicing up your DJ mixes. Like caliente? Like <laughs> muy caliente. <laughs> I'm your host, David Michael, and to my left is muy caliente Modingo. <laughs> to his left is Trip Turlington. What's good? And to his left is the one, the only, Tony DeSero. What up? So uh, we're just basically talking about general tips to kind of make your sets a little bit more interesting. Old Bay. What's that? Old Bay. Yeah. <laughs> All day. <laughs> Whether that's uh, recorded mixes, live mixes, whatever we're doing, just some kind of, yeah, let's make this a little more interesting. Sure. So, I mean, my number one advice, first and foremost, is add more cowbell. <laughs> no. Hold on, wait, let me write that down. <laughs> you know what? That's what that new uh, Pioneer SDJ 1000 is for. It's just it's 16 cowbell buttons. <laughs> yeah. Is that the one you thought was fake? Yeah, I uh, he did. Yeah. But when I saw it, I was like, okay, where are we going with this? Yeah, you thought it was an April Fool's thing. Remember he says, is this another April Fool's joke? That's what it looked like originally because it sort of came out of nowhere. They didn't hand yeah. on it or anything. You just yeah, boom. Right. Yeah. Boom, and here's we a like, CDJ 2000 with, with buttons. With buttons. <laughs> we were like, uh, okay, no one warned us about this. Yeah, right. All right, so the first thing that I like to think about is if you were to draw that energy level as a diagram, what would it look like? So the examples that I give are there's the ramp, which is basically you start low and build energy over the course of the set. So you think of a line starting low, ending high, you end up with a ramp. Right. Um, so that's kind of the uh, ending with a bang type of DJ mix. There's the hill. So that's kind of you slowly rise the energy towards a peak and then kind of wind it back down, which is what I tend towards usually. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm making a mix, I'll actually usually make my peak not quite in the middle. I'll make it close to the end. But yeah, so that's yeah. what I was going to say. Whenever I do not something a ramp, like that, but yeah, like I usually reserve my last couple of tracks of a mix to for that like downward, you know, okay, like yeah. I've peaked at some point, like really close to the end. If it's not the, <clears throat> you know, two or three tracks before I'm done and yeah. then like have a couple that are like, you know, relevant to the concept, but like not, you know, right. you know, all especially in a live scenario if somebody's playing after you, cause they, then at least it gives them something to work with. And so they're like, here you go. <laughs> fist, yeah. fist bumping. Here, yeah, here's exactly. a hot tamale for you. Sorry. got to go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so sort of the opposite of the hill would be the smile. So that all would right. be starting energetic, kind of winding it down a little bit in the middle and then ending with a bang again. Right. right. And then uh, of course you could kind of, combine this all into waves and just kind of have that ebb and flow up and down energy up and down energy yeah. uh, so like i said i'm i'm kind of a hill guy i don't know if you guys i'm a late hill late hill yeah. Yeah, like I'm, late a, hill. I'm a combination of ramp and hill like for me like i i like a good attention grabber in the beginning yeah but then like over over the course of the entire uh mix i like to have like a steady progression but like I said, once I climax somewhere towards the end, then I, I like to have that that little like relief period where it's just like you're coming down off of that a little bit. Yeah, I, I think this this point is, is pretty crucial to start with, because as far as making 
DJ mixes interesting. If it's all flatline, whether whether that's on the low end of the spectrum or the high end of the spectrum, right. at least to me personally, that just gets old quick. I'm either right. overwhelmed or bored. Underwhelmed, yeah. Yeah. Man. yeah. And, I mean, that's whether I'm listening to a recorded mix or I'm, like, at a festival somewhere and it's just constant, you know, bah, 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 right, bah. Right. I just, I don't, it doesn't hook me in. There's nothing to, if you have those waves or those energy changes, you can find that point at which you hook somebody mm-hmm. and then grab them in, and then they'll kind of be on the, that journey with you. Right. So, so that's my first suggestion. The other is to mix harmonically. You know, this is something that we talked about several weeks ago. I think episode 105, Thinking Harmonically, where we uh, talked to the guys from Mixed, Mixed in, in Tea. Tea. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is a great way to make your sets more interesting because you can get away with so much, right? You can change genres, you can change, you know, vastly different styles, vastly different energy levels. You can make mashups on the fly, and all these things just tend to work a lot better (laughs) when they're all in the same key. In the same key, right. You know, so, uh, or in compatible keys, I should say, not necessarily the same key. Um, So I can, you know, as I say, you can get away with murder when you're mixing in key. Mm -hmm. Um, It kind of improves that music that musicality that musical nature of the set because you're kind of you're not just relying on either mixing you know first and last 32 bars of each track but you're actually able to layer a lot more interesting parts of music together to kind of get a new creation out of that right you know right um you can also do a lot more subtle transitions you know we talked about in episode 112 digging for bedrock we heard a lot about of both examples of both of these, whether it's, you know, we have the harmonic mixing combined with that, with those really long, like subtle transitions where it hooks you in and you don't realize that things are changing. It just kind of gets you, mm-hmm. it gets you in the loop. Right. You know? Right. This is great for doing mashups. So even if you're not doing those, those long blend, subtle transitions, you know, take an acapella that's in the right key and mix it over something completely different and see the reaction you get. Yeah, I, I, you know I, I mean. do that a lot at the house. Yeah, oh, and yeah. and that's a that that's that's a really good example of something that should be in key because if you've ever heard yes. a mashup that is out, out of key, key. oh yeah. boy, that's a, that, that, <laughs> makes it, makes my eye twitch. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no doubt, I get and that Forrest Whitaker eye. <laughs> I don't understand how people don't hear it when that happens right? too. Like I realize, like I have a pretty good ear, but. When you hear something like that, that's just blatantly like singing all over the place out of key, yeah. and you're like, "What? What are you doing?" I used to get that a lot from the the earlier like peer to peer file sharing days. Yeah. And people would make little mashups, and so they would take um, just because there is an acapella and an yes. instrumental, and they would just mash it together. Well, right. they would do it a lot with hip hop, which usually you can get away with because hip hop doesn't have a lot of melody most of the time. They're just right. bop, 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 bop. but then they would take like. Bone Thugs and Harmony, mm. or something like that, and put it over some melody, and it's just, oh my God, what are you doing? Stop it! Yeah. Like Stop. nails on a chalkboard. <laughs> so I guess that is one way you could make it more interesting if that's all you care about is just <laughs> clash the keys, but right. that's not the kind of interesting I'm going for. Right, no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> interesting. That's a, that's a nice way to put it. <laughs> um, another suggestion I had is to just kind of change up your the types of transitions that you do, the type of genres that you play especially if you're mixing in key because you can get away with this easily you know if you are kind of stuck in that loop where you're just kind of playing the same boring plotting stuff all the time you have all your go-to tracks you you know all that kind of stuff even if you don't want to change your 
brand as a DJ or your your personal style or how you promote yourself, playing with other musical styles is very revealing, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't spend a lot of time mixing drum and bass, but I feel like I learn something when I do it. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a different way to handle transitions. It's a different type of music. I'm listening for slightly different cues. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's... Uh, the broken beats have to be on point too. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's way different than a four on the floor, right? Um, so there, you know, there are a few different types of transitions that we um, that we tend to run into. There's the the classic dance type of transition, which is kind of the long long blend beat matching, Sasha Digweed, however you want to put that right. type of transition. So you guys. Yeah, seamless. Mm-hmm. Then you've got your your hip hop mixing, which is your turntablism, cutting, scratching, and that sort of stuff. And chirp, then, chirp. In the, <laughs> <laughs> and then of course you've got like more your radio style, which is more segway, segway, echo right. out, Trip's echo, favorite. Yeah. <laughs> echo oh, out. It's the worst thing. Gentle ever. fades, stuff like that. <laughs> um, so you know if you if you're just trying to find ways to make your transitions more interesting, how can you use say effects to your advantage? You know, instead of using effects because they're there, how can you use that as part of a transition? Right. Now, we did bring up the echo out, which is like your. <laughs> it's it, it's just because it's overused. Like if it wasn't like every radio hip hop jocks go to. I don't know who started it, but it's like the only transition that any of them know how to do anymore. And all the just all the creativity or mm-hmm. all the like give a fuck (laughs) just kind of left and like every like radio jock on every hip hop station that I listened to was just, that was the only transition they knew how to do. And it was just like, come on, stop being Mm -hmm. so lazy. Like I get it. Like do, do that a couple of times. Sure. But then there's like flanger too. Like (laughs) I love when, um, I I like what fatty does it. Well, I don't want to say he does it a lot, but, um, you know, as, I don't even want to say it's an echo out. I guess they kind of echo it out themselves without the effect. It kind right. of scratches it and brings it down. Yeah, yeah. No, that, I, I'm, yeah, I'm you totally I mean? yeah. cool with that. Like, yeah. I've, I've heard that effect. I know exactly what you're talking about. No, this is the, the, the people that just hit echo Half, on one yeah. on one track, yeah. and then that one echoes out while the next Half one. Halftime, and yeah. then bring it down, and the next one's up. Yeah. Yep. Stop it. Stop yeah. it. <laughs> you're lazy. <laughs> you guys have any other like effects mixes that you that you use like, reverb tape delay yeah mm-hmm. yeah but those aren't for i guess they're during my transitions sometimes so but it's not really a, a go-to for me to transition from one song to the next yeah i like doing it in the midst of a mix or something like that but you know. there are times when i use reverb i'll like kind of reverb something out right. when i'm like in the lower half of the volume spectrum as I'm bringing it out. Sometimes it's, I'll slowly bring up a reverb just to kind of give it, it a little it more that, of a dreamy yeah. exit. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. It, it takes the edge off, especially yes. when we're talking about music with really hard transients. Mm-hmm. You know, you put that, you put a little bit of that reverb on, like you said, especially as it's coming out, uh, or you're you're lowering the you are lowering the volume on it or something. It, you know that it does. It takes the edge off and it makes that blend a little more. You, you yeah. use the term dreamy. I, I would say smooth. Smoother, yeah. yeah. I like using it in um, the song that whichever song I'm coming into, 
as I reverb the song out a little bit, I use the high pass filter to kind of cut the bass yeah, a little that's bit. A nice one. Let that yeah. let that yeah. reverb kind of create a swooshy build sound yeah. almost. Yeah. You know, yeah. and slowly bring it down. But I have, oh, like the wet, dry, the wet, dry. The wet yeah. dry. Thank you, yeah. thank you. So it lasts as it as I bring the volume down, but the reverb is still going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as I slowly, slowly bring it down to half point, then I bring that high pass right back to the middle to the bass, and it creates a perfect like. Whoosh, that's a great boom, trick you know? for getting yeah. into something that attract this a little more low energy, especially yeah. if you don't notice till you're kind of it's a little late. Yeah. Right. Then you can kind of keep that going, that transition going mm -hmm. a little longer instead of like suddenly losing a lot of song and kind of creates right. another level right. yeah, yeah. yeah. So something that i'll do but I, I have to practice it i can't just do it on the fly or i've done it successfully a handful of times but using the gator and the filter mm -hmm. you know, as they'll track on boom 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 you know yeah. like oh okay uh, yeah yeah you know just faded <laughs> like gated out um another one i've done is the um tempo fade like if i have two songs that are in different tempos i'll i'll put them at the same tempo and then like sli slide one up and down like let's say I'm, I'm going from like 124 to, to okay. 118, like I'll, I'll I'll loop them both so they're both both going at the same gotcha. rate, and then and then I'll and I'll and I'll tempo them down to get down to the 118. So like you hear, you know, okay, yeah, yeah, nice. Oh wait, so so like people will hear that song that's coming out and they're like, okay, it's slowing. Why you slowing it down? What's right, going? Right. Oh shit! Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. I imagine that you do a lot of this kind of stuff, trip, just because you change styles and tempos and stuff a lot more than than some of us do yeah, in your sets. I so it, it depends. Like for me, like when I'm when I'm changing tempos, I'm I'm actually looking at the at the long game. Like I I I intentionally pick out tracks that you know where. You know, in the beginning of my set, they're lower BPM, you know, so I can stay in a lower range. And then I look for tracks that allow me to raise the tempo as I go through. So if I know that I'm going to start, say, 120-ish, I want to end at like 130-ish. I look for stuff uh, that, that fits within those ranges and that it will illustrate or follow that progression that I'm, that I'm going for. Um, sometimes what I'll do is like... You know, especially like right now, the big thing with drum and bass is all this halftime stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So like, you know, you've got all of this halftime that's like in the 80s range and then, you know, your your full on drum and bass that's still like in the 170s. And, you know, so those are really fun to play with, too, because, uh, you know, with drum and bass, it's a lot of you can get away with a lot of like the cutting and fader freaking kind mm -hmm. of like techniques that. DMC artists and, and scratch DJs use without actually doing the scratching. <laughs> <laughs> Teach me more. Teach me more. Right. So like, that's one of the things that I'm, uh, that I, I really like to do is, um, I do use, uh, the like delay and, and echo effects, but I use them as like a, a layering tool. Like I don't use that as part of like my mix out or mix in, mm -hmm. I use that as, okay, I'm already well into one song and I bring in another, I'm happy, you know, so I'm, I've got these two songs going and then I'll, you know, put it at some beat fraction there Half and, tempo. And, yeah, and yeah. then like I'll hit the button and then freak, you know, do, 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 yeah, go, do, 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 do. I say freak, I mean, taking the crossfaders and going hard back left and, and hard, right, hard right. left, hard, right. And then using, letting that, that master effect, 
take those left and right channels and then because it's kind of a, a gate yeah. you know uh, is is kind of the effect that it that it has but you know the on and off from each one of those then starts stacking on top of each other so as you're going back and forth that's a cool one yeah it has a it has a really neat effect um but you don't want to keep that going. You only want that, you know, while you just very minimal, right? Like it's, it's really good for like, you know, at the end of a phrase, you hit the button, you freak a couple of uh, freak a couple of times and people are like, I know something just happened there and it sounded really cool, but uh, like as quick as it came and then it's, it's gone. gone. Right. right. Yeah. It's like on point when you do it real quick, but if you last for too long, it sounds like a bad mix. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because it, it's one of those that less is more. You mm -hmm. do it real quick and then you get in, you get out yeah. because if you let it just keep stacking or, you know, you forget to hit the button and turn <laughs> it off. Oh shit. Exactly. Exactly. Do you find when you're changing tempos like that, like either dropping to a halftime or just going into some other style, do you do you struggle with maintaining energy or or severely suddenly changing energy, or is that the effect you're going for? Yeah, no. Or? If I'm going to make like that kind, if it's a drastic BPM change, then that's the effect I'm going okay. for. Um, it, and and I'm doing it either to either recover an audience or to take the audience somewhere else. So like, mm -hmm. if I'm playing full on drum and bass, and I know that like I'm losing the crowd, or if it's a multi genre show, then I've got a folder full of tracks that do ex. I've call, I call it exactly genre that. switchers. John, because I have one of those folders now too. <laughs> <laughs> and and there are tracks out there that will start at 172 and they'll let you go right back to 115. So yeah, like I said, like I do I do have those tracks that I reach in there and grab those as a matter of okay, I'm I'm trying to do something different because whatever I'm doing right is now not working, is not yeah. working. Yeah. That that um those genre switchers as you call them or whatever. Like I, I notice that a lot in the festivals that I do because a lot of those guys, a lot of the the big stuff out right now is, is right. trap and yep. you know it's halftime mm -hmm. and double time and they go Diplo for example. I mean he went all over the spectrum with it, yep. anywhere from seventy to one eighty back to a four on the floor to one twenty five for right. thirty seconds. Yep. Yeah. It's, and as much as we kind of pick on the you know drop culture and stuff, I think sure. that helps too. Is oh, if, yeah. you, if you're going to severely drop the tempo, but you've got a really good like bass hit that comes There's in when you do it, some you're going to catch behind, someone's attention behind those guys, yeah. man. Like they they know when where to drop, and it stays. I mean, it may not be a consistent, seamless mix. You know what I mean? Yeah. But there's times where they do drops and they they do they do changes like that, and it's. You know, something it's I've beyond uh, me a little bit sometimes. Something I've always wanted to try and I haven't yet because I know it's going to involve like lots of math and shit. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I think it would be really fun to try to put together a DJ set with stuff of like vastly different time signatures. Yeah. yeah. So instead of having all four four stuff, mm -hmm. right. like try to you know, throw in a dance waltz or something <laughs> like throw, throw in something weird and, and get it kind of like what you're talking about, yeah. kind of calculated out to where you can make that work. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's going to be a lot of work. <laughs> you know, I bet I, 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 I'm I'm not like well versed in in music theory. I know enough of the basics and enough of the hacks to be competent with it. But like 
when it came to time signatures and all that stuff, like I, I had a very similar thought and I was very quickly turned off <laughs> because it's like, hard to wrap your head around yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, going between two different time signatures, you right. know, it's like, okay, wait, the quarter note gets the wait. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then you look at people like, uh, like Maynard James Keenan from, mm-hmm. uh, tool yeah. and, and, uh, Trent Reznor of nine inch nails and oh, stuff. Yeah. And those guys, like that's where they, 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 they live, live and breathe and thrive is in irregular time. Yeah. Signature yeah. music, like they write it. tunes in like nine five and like, <laughs> like weird stuff in twelve eight. Meshuga, yeah. What's that? Meshuga, Meshuga, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like uh, March of the Pigs is in like uh, from oh. uh, Nine Inch Nails. It's in like yeah. twenty seven eight or uh, twenty seven nine, and I'm like. What? And then, like, when you try to count it out, is the song is playing, and you're like, one, two, three, four. Wait, wait. No, no, it's something. But then, like, but if you're not paying attention to that, you're just like, boom, boom, tap, boom, 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 yeah. tap, boom, boom. And yeah. then you're like, you're grooving to it. But then, as soon as you start, start trying to count in it, and you're like, this is, it, it, yeah. the, the numbers are too big. <laughs> Right. I, I think too big. on the piano, probably the weirdest time signature I had was the um, Mission Impossible theme. It's like five four, really five eight or something. Okay. So if you think about how oh. that sounds, it's like dun 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 right. two, three four five one two three four. And it's it's hard to wrap your head around an uneven right right yeah right. It's weird. Oh. Never, um, never never picked up on that. Yeah, I never did either until I was like put the sheet music down and I was like what. Uh, uh, excuse what? me. Uh, someone gave me a bad copy. There's an extra. <laughs> yeah, this is clearly wrong. <laughs> okay. Uh, the next tip I have for spicing up your DJ mixes uh, really has to do with spontaneity. It's the the idea of mixing under pressure. Sure. Right? So no planning, no thinking about it, just freaking doing it. Right. Throw yourself under the bus, in other words. So if you're bored mixing. You, you really can't be bored if you have no plan whatsoever, you right, know. Right. So, you know, that kind of where we talked about a few weeks ago, uh, how the Nina Kravitz mm. uh, quote where yeah. she said she uh, every mix is like just a moment in time, mm-hmm. that whole thing. I, I know right. I've brought that up a couple of times now, but I got really stuck on that. Well, right. Yeah. Because it's it really is. It's like, OK, this is just a performance. This is a this is a live thing. That's happening right now. This is not like I'm not playing track one and then playing track two. Mm. And just that simple little thing, just getting that in your head of making this a a live experimental one time moment. Right. uh, Can really add some. You have no idea what it will add to your set, which is kind of the point. It's almost like a um, when I'm doing that, which that's what I do a lot. I don't ever I don't like I don't like to plan when I said earlier. I don't like to make cue points. I do every now and then when I find, you know, a four count or an eight count that I really like and, you know, I, I create it and I save it, whatever. But there's there's nothing like being on the fly and two songs coming together, you know, that just talk to each other. Yeah. You know, like just that, what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe it releases some type of... So it releases something in me. I don't know what the hell you want to fucking call it, but <laughs> it releases something in me that, you know, when, when you don't plan anything and they do come together and they sound really, really good, yeah, it's just right. like, oh, wow, wow. Part of it's probably <clears throat> pride, right? Like, I mean, a good way. Like, yeah. oh, I made, I made that work. That's awesome. Right. And I also, there's also times, though, where I question that, where I, where I like, wow, this sounds really good to me, but does it really sound good? 
Mm. You know what I mean? Am I just impressed because I made these two things work, not because it actually sounds good, for example? Right, right. Yeah. Because it could be, it's, it's, most of the time with me, it's like two, four counts or a couple eight counts where I'll bring the bass out and I'll just kind of create my own thing right there just with those two four counts. And it sounds really good to me when I bring it back in, but I'm like, man, I wonder if this really does sound good or not. Like you know? you're impressed I, by the, the mechanics of what you did. Yeah. But, but not but, necessarily. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Because I did that once I was uh, doing like a 90 set mm-hmm. and I had a um, Motown Philly mm-hmm. in that part where it goes, you know, where he's talking about uh, talk, uh, singing for Michael Bivens. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. Yo, 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 see what we can do. And right there, and I dropped the vanilla ice and it goes, all right, stop, collaborate. And, and then people, the people on the dance floor were all pissed off because they were waiting to do that harmony part. Yeah. And I was like, uh, uh, like have no idea how hard that shit was. That was a teachable you know? moment. For yeah, that right, right. And, and I was like, fuck, I can never do this again. But I was so, I was so disappointed. Like I had worked so hard to, you know, to, to come up with that. And right. then, like, they were all like, Oh, and I was like, no, 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 it's no, it was good. It's good. This was good. That is a great point though, because I think we, we do that as DJs or even if we're watching another DJ, if we know like what they did was technically difficult, right. we're like, Oh snap. And it's like cool to us. But then like, you know, I think about, you know, back when my, when I was first uh, dating my wife and she would watch me you know, mix one record into another and I just get it like a perfect mix, like beautiful one. And then I'd be like, yes. And she'd be like, okay. I mean, it's, it's a cool song or whatever. But right. then I try to teach her how to mix records and she couldn't get it, you know, get right. the tracks beat match. And she's like, oh, okay. Now, I, I now, I, now I'm impressed, right, you know? Right. So I think there, that probably does play a role DJing. with your crowd too, right. you know? Yeah, for sure. But I do, I do. I love being spontaneous in mixes like that. Yeah. Like, I love it. It definitely spices my attitude up towards it. Yeah, for instead sure. Of planning it. Uh, also, along the, that same vein, um, tagging. B2B, yes. you know, with, with no planning. I mean, that'll really keep you on your toes. Oh, yeah. And was it was it Trip or Tony who used to do the, the record trade? Oh, yeah. So, like, what B2B we used to do is players. there was, like, a whole crew of us, yeah, that we would get together, like, on Thursday or something like that. And then, you know, everybody bring your crates and everybody opens it up and you can pick any record you want. But it better not be out of your own crate. Like, <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, and then we would all go two or three at a time and, you know, just grabbing each other's records and, and, and mixing them together. Now, it helped that we were all in the same genre or within sure. the, the same BPM range. Like, there was one guy in that crew that played drum and bass. And then, so, like, you know, <laughs> well, how do we do that? But that, I mean, thankfully, that's how I learned how to play drum and bass. Cause at first, you know, it was really intimidating and my, my, my ears couldn't adjust there's, to there's it. So many, there's so many beats. Yeah. So many beats. <laughs> one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. And he's like, no, 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 no. no. slow down, bro. Slow, slow down. it down. Yeah. Just count the snare. You, you hear that snare? Oh, yeah. oh, I got <laughs> it now. Focus on the snare. Focus on the snare. Don't listen to anything else. Focus on the snare. Right. That's how I was when yeah. I first started doing drum and bass. Yeah. So then like, you oh. started counting like two, four, two, four, two, four. <laughs> No doubt. Well, the thing I like about that approach to the, the the random tagging B2B set thing is you always learn something too. I mean, yeah. it's it it makes things more interesting in the moment, which is what we're talking about, but it also teaches you how to deal with whatever, whatever you're thrown. You know what I mean? Which I think makes you a better, more well-rounded DJ. The final point I had is uh, more centered around the, the packaging of a mix. So if you're if this is a recorded mix or something you're putting together for promo or, or whatever it is, you know, how you promote it, how you, 
you know, create some attractive album art, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. A lot of people skip past that stuff, but anything that you can do to grab somebody's attention now in this kind of sort of attention economy oh, thing yeah, yeah. is going to be a good thing. You know, it's a, that's a really good point because, like, for me, I for years i mean in in the underground rave scene i mean all we did as djs for the most part you know is scrawl our name onto a seat a blank cd you know with a sharpie, sharpie marker and then maybe your phone number or an email address so that you know you can you know hand it out to people and you know get you know hopefully get it in the hands of a promoter or something like that um but then like you know those people who started to like put a lot more effort into like their CD labels or even going as far as like having a sleeve them out, yeah. and with, you know, with Drew a, and I did that with our juxtapose, they were called juxtapose series, yeah. but even the labels back then when we would put them on, <laughs> the you sticker. put the CD in, it would get stuck because the <laughs> yeah. sticker was a little too thick and we just had to get been in there, there and, yeah. to pull it out. and light scribe would have been great if it wasn't so damn expensive oh, man, for yeah, their was, freaking discs, yeah. man. Like, but it, so yeah, th this new generation won't understand that. Right. Yeah. Uh, the struggle was real on that one for sure. But yeah, somebody said the word CDs earlier and I'm just like, what are CDs? <laughs> I was most. Right, yeah. yeah. But like, so nowadays, like you said, like whatever you can do to like make something look better and more polished and more professional, like, um, you know, there's so much attention on that. Mm -hmm. Like, even if it's just, you know, honestly, I mean, sometimes the, the, the more simpler design is, is, is easier or better, you know, go find a stock photo of something that is kind of relevant to the idea of the mix, throw a couple of filters on it, maybe, mm -hmm. you know, overlay it with something, but then, you know, have your name and have the, the, the mix name and, and already you have you know, elevated beyond, you know, a Sharpie marker on a yeah. CD. Mm -hmm. like, I, I recommend people uh, canva.com, okay. which is kind of like a super easy to use Photoshop-y kind of online tool. Okay. Um, and it's real easy to, to come up with, you know, some easy stock photos, some filters, some text, and put all that stuff together in a way that is really nice and, you know, doesn't look like you put it together in MS Paint, you right. know, and it's free to use. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I, yeah. I've never heard of that. So yeah, it's yeah. really nice. That's awesome. Um, the other thing is like being really to the point in anything written that has to do with your mix, like your descriptions and stuff, like yes. brief, brief, brief. Nobody yes. has time for a wall of text anymore. <laughs> nobody, literally nobody has time. When for I that. was two years old, I put my hands yes. on the first turntable. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, get get to the point. What does this mix mean to you? Why did you make it? Right, right. Get on with it. If yeah. you can write that in three lines, then do that instead of writing five paragraphs. Right, right. Um, and then, uh, you know, as, as far as, like, coming up with creative ways to, to share it, because that's the other side of this is, you know, promoting mixes is really difficult without oh, yeah. just being that spammy guy, right? Yep, yep. So uh, one thing I would recommend, actually, is that our listeners go to episode 78. That's the one we did with Mike Donovan mm. uh, called The Eighth Day of the Week because mm. he was so good at this right. as far as keeping an event in people's heads right. and appreciating it every time he would. You know, he'd put together a real nice graphic, you know, one week away we're having this, and then he would write a little paragraph about it. Two weeks away you have this, and here's and an artist spotlight. And he would change the, colors. He would change yeah. the colors, yeah. right? He would have a color scheme for each event, and it was just, it was always, I actually looked forward to his spam, if yeah. you want to call it that, <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is like the winner. That's what you want to do. Another thing to, to consider, though, is, uh, you know, what, what is the purpose of the mix, right? To get people to listen to it. And what is it that people do 
You know, so like, sure, there's all the people that go out to the nightclubs and stuff like that. And for that, you can just print up like a little business card with a download link or, you know, a stream link or something like that and hand those out. And, you know, your your nightclubbers who are into that will go and do that. Um, Another thing, though, is that like when we're not in the nightclubs or when we're not in, you know, some of these other um, situations, one of the things that we we want our music to do is to connect with people. So like as we're playing, you know, and we're creating these mixes, whether it's for posterity, like you said earlier, you know, that type of thing, we want people to listen to it. We want them to connect with it. So how do you market that? Like if you just yeah. throw it up on, on Facebook or wherever it, it, it is, it's just spam. It, it adds to the noise. Right. But how can you tell a story about it? Right. And that, so in doing so, like you got to connect with people and, yes. you know, so that's the tricky part about marketing ourselves as DJs, right? Either you're adding to the noise mm-hmm. or you're connecting with people and connecting with people is a lot harder work. So that means you're going to like want to go out to like, you know, it's like for, to, for your example, Mo, like the type of music that, you know, people use for CrossFit and stuff like that. You know, if it's more aggressive or, yeah. or even like, you know, you're, you're like, you know, chugging along, you know, type of, you know, chunky tribal Branding beats. Type, yeah. Yes. That type of stuff. That's music you got. And you think it's good for a workout, mm-hmm. then go join some workout groups online, you know, whether it's Facebook or, you know, message boards and yeah. stuff like that. Make yourself part of that community. Value added. Yeah. Talk to those people, make some connections and then, you know, when somebody inevitably comes along and says, hey, I've been listening to X, Y or Z and it's really helping me out with my grind when I'm working out. And then you can say, oh, hey, I know a dude. Mm. Well, or you can say, hey, if you like that, then check this out. Yeah. You know, and then it's a lot less spammy. You're not so much yeah. like going, hey, listen to my mix. Listen to my mix. You're just saying, hey, yeah, that's a cool track. Hey, I've got some other tracks like that in this mix. So if you like that, check this out, you know, yep. and. It, it's it's a lot longer of a marathon, right? It's a lot more work <laughs> yeah. to do that. And, and it's a lot of virtual handshaking, one person at a time. But the payback is infinite, yeah. you know, by putting in that work versus just posting a link and hoping people listen. Well, it's funny you say that because I've had a couple people that have seen me play at different competitions and stuff like that. Uh, like reach out to me through email or Facebook and I was like, Hey, uh, do you have any mixes uploaded somewhere that I can use at right. my gym? Right. As a matter of fact, I do. Yeah. Oh, well, what do you want? Not just if just, if you could just tell your members, Hey, this is my, my link. If you could just have them click on it, give me a like, leave some comments, you know, and if there's something else you want to hear, let me know. I'll try and put something together. Right. Yeah. So, and I think, you know, talking about this, you know, album art descriptions, how to promote it, you know, you could make the argument that those aren't making your actual set more interesting, but I would disagree because right. that context matters. If you if you're playing in a nightclub and you're playing to a crowd, then you're adjusting the music based on what's going on in the room and all that stuff. When you have a recorded mix and you're, that you're promoting, you don't have that luxury. Right. They're hearing it on their iPod or in their car or in at the gym or you have no idea what they're doing, you know, or what just happened to them or what they're thinking about. So if you can create any kind of story, any kind of context, anything like that around it, you might have a more receptive listener, 
which right. therefore makes it more interesting to right. them. And when you when you make those like one on one connections with people, you know, then it, it becomes more realistic. Like it's not just some DJ that you found online. It's somebody you have an actual connection Concrete, with. Yeah. yeah. And when, you know, at least back in the day when it was just, you know, physical C- CDs that we were handing and shaking people's hands and, hey, I saw you at this party. I saw you at that party and we've all partied together and da, 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 da. Yep. You know, those people that you handed CDs to, then they would get in other people's cars and go, hey. My dude, who is a DJ, put together this mix, check it out, and then that's how music got shared back then. Now it's the same concept, but the the way in which we share the music is different, but the idea is still the same. Yes. you got to have that connection with those people so that they feel like they are connected to you. They want to help you. They want to see you succeed because they like you. They like your product. They like what it is you're, you're putting out there, and they want to share it with people. People want fans, but they don't want to make those fans. <laughs> they just want them to right. arrive. Right. Like Nobody understands what that concept of what a fan is. Yeah. You know, it, It's not just a bunch of faceless, you know, numbers. I mean, eventually, I'm sure after like maybe 10,000 fans, then (laughs) it's hard to remember they're all their faces, right? But yeah, there's a tipping point. somewhere. (laughs) I'll let let you know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, at that, but, you know, ultimately, you know, a a fan is somebody that has a connection with you and and you're absolutely right. Like there's that, that connection is, is, is what makes a fan. With that fan piece, um, when I, I did a show at Therapy a couple of weeks ago, and I would just, you know, there, there were people dancing. So, you know, like you said, doing those shows where there's only like 10 or 20 people, but they're getting it and they're dancing. And like, right. so I was totally having a great time interacting with the crowd. And afterwards, uh, one of the people that was there, I was like, hey, thanks for, you know, coming out. I really appreciate it. Blah, blah, blah. You know, buying some drinks. And one of the people that was there was like, yeah, I saw, uh, on Facebook that you're going to be here. So I figured, you know, I might as well show up cause it's going to be a good show. And I was like, how do you know who I am? <laughs> you know? And, she, and, and they said something about, yeah, I saw, you know, where, where do you coach CrossFit at? And blah, blah. I'm like, okay, now this is getting a little weird. <laughs> but then what I realized is this person follows you, me on Instagram. Right. You, right. you did that to me. You realize that, right? You're like, Hey man, I, I, I like your podcast, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, but not, not realizing that I quote had fans and I was like, Oh, this is kind of cool, but kind of weird. But I kind of, you know, leveraging that network where someone actually took the time to come see me play because do you feel suddenly exposed then like, Oh, these people are my fans. and I didn't even know it. Like what? Well, I didn't know I had, fans. I could be doing stupid stuff all the time and they see that too. You know It's like, I I didn't look at it from that standpoint. I just looked from the fan. I was like, wow, I have fans. That's weird. You know? So I thought that was pretty cool. My head immediately be like, Oh man, I I hope I took that one old mix down. That's terrible. And they didn't see that one. You know. (laughs) And I've thought about that, like taking like, cause I've uploaded some stuff that I'm not super proud of, but I think you were talking about trip where load uploading mixes saying this was recorded on this day and one take using blah, blah, blah. And I actually did that on my last mix. And there's a couple of places where like I, I screwed up a tiny yeah, bit, but yeah. do people really want to hear perfect mixes all the time? Or do they want to hear the fact that I'm actually not back there using sync and I'm not using a sequence or anything that right. I'm actually back there doing work. Right. You know, so I, I'm willing to eat that. And if they don't like that, well, there's plenty of other people that have perfect mixes you know, sure. that they can listen to. Yeah. 
So those are pretty much all the notes I had, but I just kind of want to open it up to to the floor. Do you guys have any suggestions for how you spice up your own mixes? For me, it's it's a, 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 another take on your arc idea. Okay. So like for me, what I like to do is I like to start at one BPM and end at another. And I kind of alluded okay. to this earlier, but like you kind of have to plan it out, but it's just that subtle progression in BPM. You so, know? so just for clarity, do you mean that you'd like to go from 120 to 127 or from like 150 to yes. 85? No, yeah, no. <laughs> so or, like, or something drastic. No, yeah. it, so like the drastic ones, you know, those are more like in the moment live things that like, okay, like I have to make that decision because, or that is a decision I have to make because of something gotcha. going on in the, in, the, in the show. But for me, like, especially if it's a recorded mix, um, I do this live as well, but especially if it's recorded, what I do is I say, okay, yeah, I'm going to start off at like 125 and I'm going to end somewhere around like 130, you know, and I do that, you know, intentionally because it's such a subtle thing, right? It, like the difference between 125 BPM and 130 BPM for most people who have been drinking out on a dance floor is negligible. Yeah. <laughs> you're not going to really notice it, but the the effect is there mm -hmm. like at least from our our vantage point up on the stage like you can see it like people will get into it more as as you know the 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 set progresses so after each mix when i get into a breakdown i just tap the uh the pitch up just a little bit you know and just and after work your way up yeah and yeah. just yeah. keep working it up and keep working it up and keep working it up and are you oh, a, a master tempo guy a key lock yes yeah yeah, Me yeah too. if you don't think there's a change just take it from 125 directly to 130 and listen to the difference. <laughs> yeah. right right <laughs> and, yeah right but there's when you when you start when you start low and end high mm -hmm. you know it it's it's like a groundswell you know mm -hmm. you start off at this lower thing and you get people grooving and grinding and then by the time you end and they have they don't notice it they don't notice it mm -hmm. but it's there and that, yeah. it, it's it's a really neat effect that i i've 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 held on to that for 15 years yeah, like, yeah most I of the times it. i play there's someone behind me so i'll do that late hill like I said earlier, yeah, yeah. where I'll climb up and then yeah. like two or three tracks before I know my set's going to be done, I'll bring it back down a little bit. And most of the times, I mean, I'm not doing like these big house shows or anything. It's all like local talent. So I'll ask the person who's behind me. I was like, hey, where are you starting? Yeah, and I'll try and get yeah. somewhere in that ballpark. So that way they can either I can either like tag with them or I can just take it all the way down and just stop it and they can start wherever they want. I really appreciate when people do that for me too yeah, when yeah. they're like, "Hey, were you planning on starting?" "Oh, about 124." "Oh, okay, good. I'll I'll get you there." Yeah. Like, "Oh, thank you. Then I don't have to worry about it, you know." Right. Yeah, <laughs> it, that's a really good chunk of etiquette that a lot of people either it's just something that either didn't carry over over the years or, you know, maybe just people weren't aware of it or all the people that, you know, used to do it just don't anymore. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure where, where it got lost, but that is nice when somebody looks at you and says, are you mixing into me or are you just going to start from scratch? Yeah. And if they're playing tech house and I'm playing drum and bass, uh, Go ahead and finish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But go, if you go ahead and echo out for me, right? <laughs> <laughs> but if I, but yeah, if I'm if I'm going to be within that same range, yeah. then you know, okay, well, where are you at? Or I'll look at the CDJ and I, you know, do you want to mix into me? And I'll either say, you know, yes or no. Yeah, or whatever. can you bump it up like a BPM right, or two? Right, right. Or yeah, yep. I don't get pissed if they don't do it, but yeah, I just no. appreciate it when they yeah, when they do. Exactly, it's thoughtful. It's, yeah, exactly. I was going to say it's not anything that's expected, of course, but yeah. like when it does happen, you're like. Yeah. Like, you're all right, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that we didn't talk about is subtly using the EQ. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, okay. as, yeah, yeah. as a, um, 
as another mixing device within the mixing device, yeah. as, mm-hmm. you know, um, as opposed to just full volume changes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, you slowly bring some bass out and the other one that you're bringing in, bring it up, match it, you know, also look at your levels, you know, don't come in super, super hot or even, you know, at the same level sometimes, you know, slowly bring it slowly up, work it in, slowly yeah. bring your bass out and your other bass up a little bit and use that EQ as another mixing device, yeah, you yeah. know, to get into the nuts and bolts of it. For and a, while, yeah, for a while I got lazy and I was just using the um, filter mm-hmm. routinely, but then I was like, I need to get away from this because sometimes it's okay, and, mm-hmm. but sometimes I think it's a better... Uh, practice of your craft by using the actual individual even uh, this it's less precise yeah. yeah i was gonna say i think it depends it depends on the effect you're going for it goes yeah. it depends on the on the type of mixing or the the type of mix that you're doing with those tracks so i think time and place or mm-hmm. uh, you know I, like yeah, but no, for me i was just flat on using it for everything i wasn't i wasn't individually <laughs> using anything i was like oh filter this should yeah. sweet. <laughs> and the gains definitely the gains because yeah. sometimes mm-hmm. the the um, the wave or the MP3, whatever you're playing, one song might be a little bit lower. So using the gains to bring yeah. you know yeah. up yeah. a little bit, unless you're using platinum notes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Extinkey.com. Yeah. <laughs> let's drop. Let's drop a key a uh, link to um, platinum, platinum notes, notes. Yeah. in the show yeah. notes. Yeah, because I've been using it uh, uh, ever since we we uh, did that interview with them, and I love it. Like, nice. mm-hmm. yeah, it, it makes a noticeable difference. That's yeah. good. Um, I'll throw one in too. I, for me, a lot of the time, and this is more relevant for a, a recorded mix than a live situation, but it's to come up with a strict, come up with a concept. Yes. And then, so in other words, come up with a strict set of guidelines that my songs all have to follow right. and, and stuff like that. Uh, so for instance, you know, I made the zombie hotel, zombie hospital mixes. Right, and I right. decided, okay, I want to tell a story about a zombie outbreak in a way that literally tells a story that doesn't use words to do it. Right. Um, using sound effects and stuff like that. Okay. So I put all this criteria around it and I'm like, okay, how do I make that work? Right. Right. <laughs> because that limitation that you put there, you have to be creative to get out of that yes. and, and figure that out. Right. And so, I mean, you can take that to any level you want. Okay. This is... Even if you're not making that set of criteria public, right? Like you right. might not say, "I want this to be the set that I would play in 1999 at Twilo," but you know that in your head when you're making it, <laughs> right, and right. so it forces you to come out with something different. And that's I, one of the yeah. reasons. That's one of the reasons that I don't release mixes, you know, every week or even once a yeah. month or hell, in the last seven years, <laughs> <laughs> because like I I do I put so much like thought and careful procurement into the tracks that I'm trying to put together. Like I'm not just trying to put together 10 to 15 tracks or 20 tracks of functional songs. Yeah. The (laughs) functional hot tracks that I'm kind of feeling right now. Like that's not when I put together recorded mixes, I almost never reveal what the concept is, but it might be surrounding just a song. So like take one this one song and I love this one thing. So then I find others that will go well with it and then put them into an order where everything kind of builds up to that one and then drops off from there. You know, in, in, yeah. the, in the hill example that you, we've talked about uh, earlier, um, other things are, OK, I've got something going on in my life and, mm. you yes. know, there's this like o- overwhelming like concept or thought or idea that you know, it can be encapsulated in this one word and 
now I want to try to convey that one word using music. How do I do that? And, you know, so then it's like, you know, um, other times it might be something with some lyrics that I really like, but then like, so like, it'll be like, so then I'll try to find other songs that, you know, fit within that. And, you know, all of those things, like I said, I almost never say what it is, but because it's such an overwhelming, like, involved process for me. Like I don't really studio mixes that often because I, I do, I put so much thought into that. But for me, the payoff is in spades because if I'm listening to a mix that I know that somebody puts that much kind of effort into, then for me, like I connect with it better. There's, yeah. there's something there, you know, like Tony's last mix, there was something there and you knew it, from the the limited description that he put on it to the artwork to the songs themselves. Well, and the fact that we knew it had been years since he'd released anything. Right, so right. That well, didn't hurt. Yeah, right, that didn't right. hurt at all. Yeah. But, you know. And, and well, he didn't say anything to us either. I just saw it one day. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then, yeah. you know, and back to your zombie hotel theme and all of that stuff. So, like, yeah, when when you see those things, and, and especially as somebody who values you know, that kind of thought and, and preparation that goes into a product like that. Um, I connect with it better rather than somebody that I know that I see is putting out a mix every week or every month. And, you know, there's almost no like rhyme or reason to anything except for it's the 10 hottest, newest tracks on Beatport. Yeah, that's, <laughs> to me, that's like the, that's what brings artistry to the table for the type of mixing that we do yes. because you, that's what gives you a human connection. Like, right. Oh, I'm, I'm getting your perspective on something or right. I'm getting how what you think zombies sound like or <laughs> what you think that the uh, roller skating rink sounds like yeah. or whatever it is you bring that to the table and then you get you just get to see a little piece of that person right. come through in in the mix which is so much more interesting than just turning on Serato Pyro and letting it play Exactly. You know, yeah. exactly. I've only Hot really track. tried to make two theme mixes the one was I called it unoriginal and it was all bootlegs of, you know, nice songs. So it, that was to me, that was easy. You know, I just find Matt or what we call it, cover versions or just remastered yeah. or whatever. Right, right. And then the other one was um, actually when my dog died, mm. um, I was having like a really rough time. Yeah. And so I kind of had her as my central focus. Yeah, I've done that you know? too. the yeah. the mixing for personal therapy yeah. kind of thing. Yep. I had one I called White Rose that I had a, a friend who committed suicide. And so it was kind of on my mind and I put that mix together i burned it on a cd and then put it in a drawer and never saw it again i just needed to do it right you know yeah there's just something about tapping into a moment tapping into a concept and then sharing that or or not sharing it in my case but just expressing that i guess is the word i'm looking for yeah for me it was i've got a couple like that and i won't reveal which ones but like you know it was either uh dealing with like even something as simple as a breakup right like i Mm -hmm. almost hate all these years later that I put that much effort into, <laughs> into putting, a breakup mix into a breakup mix that like people loved. And then here I am, I'm like, you were, I'm you, a bitch. you were outside I'm holding a, and holding up the <laughs> tape player. <playing your> mix. <laughs> people love other people's misery though. 
Well, right. But like, <laughs> I mean, you know, here I am like all these years later and I'm like, man, uh, like I just I can't believe I put that much effort into you. Like because all of these yeah. years later, like that was probably like the worst relationship yeah. I ever had. It's like, it's like, uh. like you said, that movie, Say Anything with John Cusack, how mm-hmm. the girl had 28 songs that she had written about her ex-boyfriend <laughs> and she was going to sing them all that night. <laughs> but it, I mean, me. you put emotion into it. Right. Yes. You know? right. It wasn't about the breakup. It was about the emotion exactly. that you were feeling. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. And that, that'll still translate no matter, I mean, that translates to the listener, I think, especially if they, if they really pick up on it, you know, that there's, oh, there's a theme here and they just start attaching their own memories to what they're hearing. Right. Right. And they can sympathize with what, oh, you know, dude, I can really see how this would make me feel a certain way about my ex-girlfriend and her not giving me back my letter jacket. Yeah, there's some chick out there with my class ring still. If you're listening, I want that shit back. <laughs> Ditto. Yeah. I'm not going to go into my 80s joke book no. for that one. <laughs> maybe, maybe off recording. <laughs> but uh, I, when I did listen to your zombie hotel mix, Dave, I, I do remember thinking like, damn, this took a lot of work. Just like ha- having work. to put yourself in that box and say, okay, well, you know, even how it starts off and then how, how, how at, the, at the very end, like I'm picturing myself driving in a truck, you know, all bloodied and battered and, you know, zombie parts all over the place, you know, <laughs> driving off into the sunset. You know? Well, you know, the thing about that mix is like I didn't I, I didn't want it to be an audio book. Right. Like I didn't want but to it read almost a, is, though. I didn't want them. To, I didn't want to read a story. To, I didn't want to narrate it to them. Yeah, I right. wanted them to come up with a story, but I wanted to help them along. Yeah. You yeah. know, so it's like, how do you how do you tread that line between telling them the story and letting them create one in their head? So, so yeah. if you have that was listened, the whole yeah. point. If you haven't listened to it, uh, just take a listen. It's actually pretty sweet. And Dave has two versions. One is the version where it's just all the tracks and all the sound effects. And the second one is where he narrates it and talks about you know, what he was going for during those particular things. So when I listened to it, I listened to the clean one first and kind of had a vision in my head. And then when I listened to your version, I was like, I was like 80%, you know, with what you were, with what you were narrating. I was like, so you did a great job of telling your story. Thank you. You know, through that. I don't think I've ever shared that with you. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, you're just kind of talking about the, the concept mix thing. I think, you know, I'm, I'm kind of coming up at a point where I'm, I'm kind of ready to, to reboot my personal brand, like my personal artist brand. Cause I haven't like focused on creating any mixes or right. putting, you know, fixing up my webpage or anything for like years now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm starting to get that itch again, like kind of wanting to promote myself. And Same. I, I think yeah. that I'm going to set, I think I've decided that the mixes that I post from now on are going to be like strict concept mixes and I'm going to let myself get crazy with it. You know what I mean? Sure. Like instead of playing my bread and butter stuff that everybody expects from me, mm-hmm. like everything is going to be something new to bring to the table, like give them a reason to listen to it. Right. Right. Cause before I was so used to like, okay, this is, this is my, my latest demo. This is my latest promo right, mix. This right. is my February, 2014 <laughs> promo. Mix. And like right. n- nobody cares anymore. Right. Right. So like, I would rather them appreciate me as an artist and book me because of that rather than like, oh, yeah, okay, you did manage to sink your way through a whole mix. Right. You're good enough to play. You know what I mean? Right, right. I don't really think in those terms anymore because that's not why you get booked as much. Right, right. So, yeah, just something where they can appreciate that that artistic expression of it. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Any last-minute tips before we wrap up here? 
Play more better. <laughs> Play like way more gooder. Use more use more flanger. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, fellas. That was fun. And this has been the Passionate DJ Podcast. Take care. See you. Easy. Hasta luego.